Welcome to my podcast. My name is Mario. I am doing a more medical-based podcast. I'm currently in nursing school, uh, finishing up my second semester. And for this first part, I'll just be starting off with pharmacology or the study of medicine, or I guess more study of drugs. Uh, I am am in pharmacology too, and we are getting ready for our first exam. And I wanted to create this podcast to help others who are maybe struggling. Um, And this is also helping me kind of more solidify the material so I can have this better foundation so that when I do go into the nursing field and working as a full-fledged nurse, I know my basics, I know my drugs, and I can make the correct decisions um, when I'm in stuck in a situation or when there's a disagreement. I know what I need to do I because I'll know the information that was taught to me. So just starting off with this uh, first part, we're just going to start off uh, with pharmacology. We're learning about anti-infectives currently. Uh, and we're just going to start off with chapter 46. Chapter 46 is the basic principles of anti-infective pharmacotherapy. So just starting off, uh, what are pathogens? Well, pathogens cause disease due to their ability to invade tissues or secrete toxins. Uh, I'm just going to go over a few just medical terminology. So pathogenicity is just the ability of organisms to cause disease, virulence. It's the measure of organisms, pathogenicity. Uh, invasiveness is the ability to grow rapidly and surround tissues, toxicity, the production of toxins within the body that can do harm. Uh, and there's two types of toxins. So there's exotoxins and endotoxins. Exotoxins, they are proteins released by bacteria into surrounding tissues that have the ability to inactivate or kill the host cells. Uh, and then the endotoxins, um, they're harmful non-protein chemicals in that outer layer of the normal cell wall of gram-negative bacteria. Uh, this causes the macrophages to release uh, cytokines and this disrupts normal cellular activity. Uh, and then moving forward, so what is an anti-infective? Well, an anti-infective is more of a general term that applies to any medication that is effective against pathogens. More specifically, we're going to be learning at, at antibiotics. Antibiotics are medicines used to kill or stop the growth of microbial life in the bacteria. Notice, it is antibiotics are only for bacterial infections. The term antimicrobials is, a, is accepted as a broader definition. And this includes medicines used for other infections, such as bacterial, viral, fungal, and parasitic. So anti-infective drugs act by selectively targeting a pathogen's metabolism or life cycle. So there's something known as bacteriostatic and bacteriocidal. Um, Bacteriostatic sort of inhibits the surrounding, um, not tissue, but it just inhibits the surroundings. So the, the bacteria is unable to grow so, and this lets the body to, in a way, just kill off the bacteria. And there's also something known as bactericidal. So this is where it just straight up kills the bacteria that is present. And the goal of anti-infective therapy is to assist the body in eliminating the pathogen. So again, bactericidal, they're drugs that kill bacteria. Uh, and then bacteriostatics are drugs that do not kill, but instead, I guess, slow the growth to allow natural body defenses to kill the pathogen, and that is known as bacteriostatic. Moving forward, 
uh, we have something known as the antibiotic spectrum. This refers to the range of bacteria that are killed or inhibited by antibacterial drugs. So this is narrow spectrum and the broad spectrum. Initially, we want the narrow spectrum because these are drugs that are effective against a limited number of different bacterial species. Uh, and then broad spectrum is what a broad what broad means is just they're, they're drugs that are effective against a wide range of different bacterial species. So then the question is how by which anti-infective drugs I guess let me rephrase that. What are some of the mechanisms in which anti-infective drugs use to kill pathogens or restrict their growth? Well, we're, we're learning about four of them. Inhibition of the cell wall synthesis, inhibition of protein synthesis, disruption of the plasma cell membrane, and inhibition of the nucleic acid synthesis. So inhibition of the cell wall synthesis, so this is like your penicillins, the cephalosporins, and these bind to specific proteins which are essential to building the bacterial cell wall. Inhibition of protein synthesis, this is such as this is drugs such as aminoglycosides, and these change the shape of the ribosome so that the protein synthesis impedes. So the proteins that usually comes out of the ribosome, it's does it just doesn't form in a way. Uh, and then disruption of the plasma cell membrane. We have the polymyxin B, which attaches to the phospholipids in bacterial plasma membranes. Uh, and then the fourth one, inhibition of nucleic acid synthesis, uh, drugs such as fluoroquinolones, uh, which is the largest group of antibiotics, and these inhibit DNA synthesis. Moving forward, uh, how do bacterial how do bacteria develop a resistance to drugs? Well, there are multiple ways. Um, the bacteria itself can change by mutation. Uh, they can change their genetic code, so it can cause that to, them to be more resistant. And a second is more man-made. So the widespread and sometimes unindicated use of antibiotics can lead to this resistance. Um, in this day and age, we do use a lot of antibiotics and it's sort of like natural selection occurs and these more resistant bacteria cannot be killed off with normal antibiotics due to such heavy use that was done within the last 20-30 years. Um, even uninterrupted or inadequate antibiotic treatment for infections, so not finishing your the drug regime of the antibiotic, uh, maybe stopping a week or two than you were supposed to, or maybe stop it when you were feeling better when you should have kept going. <clears throat> Even the type of bacteria can affect like resistance. So gram-negative strains have a higher rate of resistance. Uh, even reoccurrent infections um, can have a, can like affect resistance in a person's body. Uh, and then a few examples of drug resistance. Uh, so MRSA, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. Um, this cannot be treated with a, a flucloxacillin. Vancomycin-resistant enterococci, VRE, also cannot be treated with vancomycin anymore. Um, Carbopentin-resistant enterobacteriaceae, CRE, cannot be treated with meropenem or carbopens anymore. And that, again, that's just to the mutation and just other factors that affected it 
to lead in it to be more resistant to antibiotics. So again, how how does antibiotic antibiotic resistance happen? A lot of drug, a lot of germs, few a few are drug resistant. Drug resistant, they, someone takes antibiotics, killing the illness, as well as the good bacteria protecting the body from infection, but not finishing it all. The drug resistant bacteria are then allowed to grow, and this causes the drug or the bacteria to become more drug resistant, causing more problems in the future. <clears throat> but there are ways to combat this. So the CDC has developed guidelines for preventing antimicrobial resistance, especially in the healthcare settings. And these include preventing infections when possible. So this is teaching your patients about immunization, practicing proper hygiene and care of catheters. And by the way, catheters are very like good portal, portals of entry diagnosing and treating the infection properly, performing culture and sensitivity tests to identify what kind of bacterial um, bacterial strains they are, and using antimicrobials wisely as well. They should be prescribed only when there is a clear indication for their use. The more frequently an antibiotic is prescribed in the population, the larger will be the percentage of resistant strains. And the last point is preventing transmission. So just following standard infection control procedures in the healthcare setting. So how can I as a nurse or you as a nurse prevent healthcare associated infections? Well, first let's start I'll start off with what are some of the sources? Typically there are four general sources. There's the patient flora, invasive devices, medical personnel, and the medical environment. And some of the most common sites is the urinary tract, surgical wounds, respiratory tract, and blood. So what can we do? Well we can use a correct selection of an, of an antibiotic. Um, the wrong antibiotic usage is going to allow the microbes to grow and change and mutate, and this can cause more problems in the human body. This can cause to a more drug-resistant bacteria and just more problems down the road. And using culture and sensitivity tests, culture and sensitivity testing to identify which correct antibiotic to use. We can also use something known as pro prophylactic therapy. Uh, so this is when anti-infective taken before anti anticipated exposure to an infection organism in an effort to prevent a development of an organism. So typically you'll see this IV antibiotic antibiotics given prior to surgery and even in some dental procedures. So like when I go into the dentist and I have a surgery, they're gonna, they're gonna prescribe typical antibiotics that you take before. Um, and then some host factors. So if the patient's immune system is changing, if they're immunosuppressed, uh, just local tissue conditions, if there is an allergy to some medication, even their age has an effect on how the bacteria will affect a person. If they are, if the patient is pregnant, uh, maybe some genetics that favor bacterial growth, maybe it doesn't. And all this has very significant influence on the success of anti-infective therapy. Uh, and then super infections. So what are super infections? Well, they're an infection occurring during antimicrobial treatment for another infection, thus resulting from overgrowth of an organism not susceptible to an antibiotic used. So typically you'll see uh, yeast infections or thrush or pseudomembranous colitis um, due to C. diff. 
And then some anti-infective administration. Uh, so this is going to be some nursing application. So when you're getting a new patient, always getting that patient history, doing a full assessment, asking if they have any allergies, any previous drug reactions, um, baseline renal and liver function, um, so getting lab values done, a culture sensitivity test uh, for the appropriate antibacterial drug choices, um, seeing how the patient responds to the antibiotic therapy, asking questions such as, are they getting any better? Are there any side effects with this? So, yeah, and we're just going to end it off with a final question. Guidelines for preventing antimicrobial resistance include all the following except A, using proper infection control procedures, B, shortening the duration of antibiotic administration, C, using antimicrobials wisely, and D, preventing infections. I'll give you a few seconds to answer. Guidelines for preventing antimicrobial resistance includes all the following except, and the answer is going to be B, shortening the duration of antibiotic administration.